Hi, everybody, and welcome to Open's second video podcast. Uh, we're live. Uh, my name is Greg Andrews. Hi, Steve Ross again. And we want to thank you all for, for watching. We, in our conversations after our first video podcast, realized that we never really told you much about Open. We told you a little bit about us, and then we got right into talking about two issues, um, one about gender norms and the other about race. And so we do have two issues again today, but we want to start off a little bit about talking more about why each one of us got involved into this and why we partnered to create Open and create this website. So, Steve, do you want to uh, lead off with why you got involved? Yeah, no, most definitely. Uh, so the reason I chose to get involved with Open was, one, I just I really enjoy having conversations around diversity and talking about sort of all the different aspects for one reason is that it is a passion area of mine. I know that for me, my journey sort of started because for a long time before we adopted my two sisters, I grew up in a house that was filled with mostly men, so I didn't understand a lot about women. And so uh, during my second year of college, I took a class um, called Psychology of Women, and so it allowed me to, to sort of, I thought the class was going to be about how women think, and, and I was going to have women figured out the moment I took this class, and, and believe me, I was wrong. So then um, I ended up learning just to look at a different perspective and everything else, and just so through that, sort of my interest grew, and it's just one of those things that this is fun to be a part of. We get to have conversations and, and talk about different issues. And then it's also, there's a chance for me to learn in this. The, the thing I love about social justice work is that there's never, there's no way to really know it all, just because there's not, you know, I'm, I'll, I'm not able to have an experience that's not my own. And so it's always enlightening for me to have different different conversations with different people about the same topic, you know. So that that's the reason why I chose to get involved with this. And also it's just something, you know, extra for me to do. Um, you know, once I get off work in the afternoon, you know, now that I'm not in school anymore, um, I don't have any homework. <laughs> Hooray for not having homework. So it's nice to you know have something to still help me still learn and, and sort of grow on my own that doesn't require you know essays upon essays and, and reading a, a large amount of books and, and writing research papers. So that's that's my reason for getting involved. <laughs> I think I think my reasons are are at least towards the end of what what you were saying are definitely my reasons as well. It's definitely a great opportunity to um, have those educational conversations without dealing with the books as much, or at least books you don't want to read, um, you know, and so being able to have conversations. But, you know, one of the reasons I think that, you know, and I, and I, I think I speak for both of us here, is one of the reasons we, we did this was we have these conversations all the time, whether it's on Facebook or whether it's through text or the occasional face-to-face, -face, you know, being coast-to-coast -coast is a little tough. But, um, you know, it was to open this up to other people and, and so on. And so we've had four other people who have written for Open, and we've learned a little bit about each one of them. They're people we knew, there were people we didn't know, but they wrote from very different perspectives, and so that was one of the reasons we did this. Um, going back a little bit into my past as to why I wanted to do this, I yearned for these kind of conversations for a long time. I grew up uh, the son of a, of a two-woman household, and that opened my eyes to what wasn't quote-unquote normal. And up until I went to grad school at the University of Denver, I just wanted to be involved in groups that were different from myself because here in Maine we're very um, homogenous for the most part. I mean, the biggest diversity issue is that of LGBTQIA um, communities with the straight cisgender communities. And so I was able to get to know people of, you know, people of color, um, people of varying sexual uh, orientations, gender identities, um, ethnicities, ability status. I mean, I, I ran the gamut, and Denver's not even the most diverse place that there is. And so it was a beautiful thing, and that's where uh, Steve and I met in grad school, and that's where we started to uh, speak about blogs and so on. Thanks to Chris Linder. We've, we gave her a shout-out last time, um, but she kind of pushed us in this direction, and then we were both bored after being out of grad school and said, hey, let's do this. So I think for me, it's an interesting part that you bring up about where you're from. So I'm from California. Um, I was born in San Francisco, and San Francisco is very diverse. And so with that, it was I always had sort of the, the privilege of being able to be around such diverse cultures. Uh, when my family eventually moved to Sacramento, I remember we had... Um, 
my neighbor on one side was Hispanic. My uh, neighbors on the other side were multiracial. You know, they, everybody in my neighborhood looked different from me, and so it was it was definitely an interesting experience going to high school where you know, it, sort of everybody was represented, and so I've had those opportunities to engage in those discussions and things like that. So for me, I sort of had the opposite experience going to. Um, going to college at you know, California State University, Chico, where it's a predominantly white you know, campus, and just having to look for diversity, or at least racial diversity, having to look to find that, and then eventually learning that diversity comes in more forms than that. And then getting to the University of Denver, where you know, even more, even, to me it felt like even more of a homogenous population being like, Whoa, crap! Like, not only am I dealing with you know the the, the lack of, of race being represented, represented, but then there's also the class issue, also being around people who have way more money. Like, I thought I had a lot of money because I had some friends that were really poor, um, and and just being able to afford a Super Nintendo and a TV to play it on, I, I thought I had the world. And then I come to Denver and or the University of Denver and find out that like. What you don't have the new this this that with this thing, and they're looking at you like it's you know it's weird to them that you don't have stuff. Um, so it was definitely interesting to to come from a place that was so diverse to move to a place for me that was was less less diverse and sort of trying to have some of those conversations. So um, it's definitely been an interesting experience. Absolutely, and again, it's uh it's all perspective, and you know where where you came from, like you said. Um, was was way diverse, and where I came from is not diverse at all. And then we go to Denver. I see it as one of the most diverse places I've ever been. And you're looking at it as look at all these white people, um, you know. So right. <laughs> it, it's definitely a well. I know that's what's fun about doing open too, is just because we have we have such different points of views. And I know we've we've been doing a lot of push to get other people to sort of get involved in this. Um, but it's one of those things that we're really looking to. To continue on and have more diverse and then more diverse at least points of views and perspectives on the conversation, you know, um, just to just to bring some more or some more fire and some more you know passions and and get to where different people you know what different people want to talk about because I know for me I can talk about race all day and I and I will go off and, and call people out and things like that but there are definitely identities that I don't talk about I. I I'm starting to work myself into starting to learn about ability issues and, and just even being able to realize that, you know, um, or at least I can think, okay, when I see a set of stairs, okay, this, this presents a problem for somebody who may may not be able to, to walk, you know, things like that. So it's definitely like that's one of the issues that I know that I don't consciously think about a lot. And so um, it definitely helps with people who can bring in those different points of views. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, we we definitely have been making quite the push to bring people in, and I know I've I've reached out to a couple of people personally and, and asked them to to write because I know I've had conversations with them in which uh, they're willing to speak up, and I think that's another thing is we we started this so that people had a voice, people could um, say something, and that is a privilege of ours to be able to do that. Um, but we want to make this a, a conversation. It's not just a monologue and and that's why it wasn't just one of us who started this, it was two of us because at least right now it's a it's a dialogue and we want it to be a conversation. Right, no, I agree with that completely. So, um, if you're watching this, right now we currently have no live viewers, which is good because I'm not as nervous. Um, <laughs> but if you are watching this, and I know we had a lot of views um, after our first video podcast, which thank you so much, um, and you want to write, you want to give us ideas for a video podcast, if you just want to, you know, submit a couple of books that you've read and, and tell us about it, you know, we're, we're more than happy to share that. If you don't want to be necessarily seen, but you want to be heard, we're willing to, to, to do what we can to help you with that, because again, we only know so much, and, and you only know so much, but together we can know a lot more. Right. I, I definitely agree with that. So, um, yeah. Uh, do we want to get started on a couple of our topics? Yeah, no, I, yeah I'm fired up. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Uh, which one do you want to start with? Uh, let's start continuing from last week, because I know we ended with the whole issue of, of the guy being, or the, the boy being kicked out of school for having a pink backpack. So let's sort of continue on, on that track. Okay, perfect. So, uh, this is the one that I brought to the table. 
Um, again, gender issues and, uh, and sexual orientation are, are areas that I find very, uh, not necessarily interesting, I don't want to uh, categorize it like that, but that's a personal passion of mine because of uh, how I grew up and, and the people I grew up around. And uh, so basically the story here is a school, I believe in Virginia, there's an eight-year-old girl whose name is Sunny who was basically kicked out of school because she looks very ambiguous. She has short hair, um, she wears pants, she likes sports, and this school is a religious school. It's a Christian-based school, and they basically have told the grandparents, you know, people are confused by what she is, and, you know, they, they say that, you know, with that, they can refuse enrollment based on condoning sexual immorality, practicing a homosexual lifestyle, or alternative, uh, alternative gender identity. Um, the girl actually um, identifies as a female um, and as a woman, you know, so she's cisgender, and she just likes the way pants feel, and she likes having her hair short, but that wasn't okay with them. So they kicked her out, and her grandparents um, have said, okay, we're going to fight this. So I guess one of the, the first things is um, that I, I thought of for a question is since the school is founded on a religious principle, and again, religion is so easy to, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> oh, trying to think. Criticize, maybe? You criticize is definitely one. Um, interpret, there we go. Religion is so easy to interpret in however ways you want, but for them, what I just what I just read to you as far as how they can uh, refuse enrollment is based off of, to them, biblical quotes. Now, they didn't post the biblical quotes, um, and I'm no expert on the Bible by any stretch, um, but since they are based on this, and they have put this out well before this, this girl went to school, are they technically wrong? I mean, that comes back to... that. That's tough, because then you get into sort of, you know, who's right and who's wrong, and my my, my, own, my personal feelings on this is that, you know, it's one of those things that it, it, it's terrible that the girl can't be who she feels she needs to be in order to be comfortable, you know, now it's all of a sudden this, this little girl needs to walk around feeling uncomfortable, now she has to have long hair, and now she has to wear something other than pants, and so that, that to me is like, these are kids, like, like the girl wants to wear pants, let her wear pants, but that does my personal my personal take on it. Um, it's, I guess it's tough for me because it's hard. How do we, like, I don't, I would never say that anybody's wrong in the religion. You know, if these are the rules set by the Bible and what they feel, then, then those are the rules that I guess the school can choose to follow. And when we talk about um, sort of laws and things like that, it gets tough. But, you know, it's, it brings up this interesting situation of, when people say, "Oh, I don't, I'm not, I'm not against home, or I'm not against gay people, or I, it's not that I don't like gay people. I just don't agree with the lifestyle because my religion can't tell me. My religion says I can't agree with the lifestyle. It's we're using, we're not using, you know, an identity or like a religion to cover up or to be a, a scapegoat or to be an excuse for, um, to be an excuse for discrimination. You know, it's one of those things that at the end of the day, the little girl is being discriminated against based on." Um, her identity that she holds, even though her identity is a woman, but it's not, it doesn't fit into the, the gender binary, and she's being discriminated against because of that. Um, and so it's, but they're kind of, it's one of those things that they're using their religions to back that up. And so that's, that's where I struggle, because it's one of those things that I'm not going to tell anybody, no, your religion is wrong, and no, you shouldn't believe in this, this, and that, or the other. But it's not, it, it's one of those things where, it's not inclusive at the end of the day. If your if your religion is not inclusive, like, it, it it brings up this huge moral gray area of you know well it's it's okay for everybody you're supposed to love everybody you're supposed to be accepting everybody, but then it, I, I, it's religion is a touchy one anyways. But it brings up that that whole like I'm only discriminating against you because my religion says I'm supposed to discriminate against you, and I I struggle with that personally. Absolutely. Um... I think part of the reason why I chose this one to talk about is because one of the few subordinate identities I have is religion. Um, I do identify as Buddhist, and while I don't necessarily you know, practice it full-time, um, it's because I do see it as more of a spirituality. There is no real deity. 
things along those lines. And basically, I, I live my life in a way that um, it's all about how I treat other people and how I can keep myself, you know, from from doing horrible things. Um, so it's my own interpretation. I completely own that of, of uh, Buddhism in general. Um, but this is an area where I, I see Christianity, um, and, and again, I choose not to generalize, but I see people who are Christian that go out of their way to exact hate on, on various groups, more specifically the LGBT uh, communities, and it, it drives me crazy because, you know, I know not every Christian person um, feels this way, and I know it's all about interpretation, and so, um, again, yeah, I, I completely agree. Like, how do you say what's right and what's wrong, and at one point, what point are we um, stripping religious freedom or religious expression and, and so on? So I just thought it's such a you know, a, a conundrum of, you know, what's right and what's wrong, but at the same time, I mean, much like freedom of speech, you know, we have in our amendment now, granted, the Bible and, and the Constitution are very, very different, but um, in the Constitution, we say that you have freedom of speech until you're taking that away from somebody else. Um, so at what point is freedom of religion if you're taking away from somebody's ability to express themselves how they want? And in this case, this girl states that she is a female, like she is a cisgender female. Her expression um, being that of a quote-unquote tomboy, but it's not like she's you know, trying to cut her hair to look like a boy, at least not as we're told. So it's just very interesting how that all works out. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's huge. It, it, I mean, it's, it, it, it sucks. <laughs> it's like, it's like you're, not, you, you know, you're not allowed to be yourself if you're going to be a part of this religion, at least a part of the school. And I mean, the school is allowed, I mean, if these are the rules the school has set, sure, like, I, I don't know, like, I think morally the school is at fault, but it's one of those things, like, if these are the rules the school has set, and this is what they said, this is the rules are, you know, it's from, like, a legal standpoint or from a contractual standpoint, like, they can't be held accountable. But it's one of those things like what what message are you when you especially when you're dealing with kids? Do you remember how old the girl was? Like eight years old. Eight years old. So then, what message are you like? What message are you sending out to to the kids that are at your school that if I try to be different or if I want to express myself in any way that doesn't fit into the stereotypical gender norms of women having long hair and not wearing pants? What what kind of message are you sending to the kids? And so that's that. I think that's the part that bothers me the most. Is now we're you know once again from a young age the kids are being programmed to think this is what it means to, to be a man and this is what it means to be a woman. And if I don't fit into this, there are some consequences such as like I'm now not able to benefit from an education because um, because I decided to cut my hair. Yeah. And so that that bothers me. You know, it's one of those things like once again come back to the same as the issue with the backpack. Not that big of a deal, you know. If somebody wants to cut off their hair, big deal. Like it's not like it's not like she's holding up a sign on a corner saying God is this or you know people deserve to be treated like that. It's just I just didn't feel like having long hair. And if an eight-year-old can't even is is being penalized for that decision, that you know it's one of those things that's very troublesome for the way that the kids grow up, or at least sort of the mentality that they have growing up. That they're gonna you know internalize this sort of. You know, I'm not, this is what I'm allowed to be, and this is what I'm not allowed to be. And so that's, I think that's the part that bothers me the most. You know, re religion aside, um, and then when you throw in the religious piece, uh, it's it's that, that gray area of, you know, you know, what happened to, you know, the love everybody piece, but, you know, except this piece. Like, ah, it's, it's touchy, because I don't want to, I don't, I definitely by no means want to offend anybody. But it's just one of those things. Like, there's there's definitely some contradictions there that that I, I don't know that I necessarily understand or agree with. So, absolutely. And I mean, based on the picture, she had more hair than you and I combined. So that should be. <laughs> well, you don't have any hair, Greg. So. <laughs> I think there's a little bit, right? Okay, I see it. I see it now. <laughs> Um, but no, stripping the, the religion aside from it, you know, I think you bring up a good point and, you know, just to build on a little bit, you know, we, I mean, we have higher degree, higher education degrees, um, you know, that are in education and, and talking about how do we form minds, how do we help people get to a point where they can critically think on their own and, you know, looking at this is, isn't it the responsibility 
and actually I will I won't ask this question per se I'll answer this question in my own opinion um, it's the responsibility of an educational institution to teach students how to critically think um, I, I will say I think that the United States does a very poor job of doing that currently um, based on, on legislation that has gone through and and dictates how schools run themselves but this is not even a matter of regurgitate information this is a matter of this is what you will think right. um, and I think that that poses a huge um, threat to individualism it poses a huge threat to people who are um, who are ambigu uh, ambiguous who do identify as LG, B, or T um, and so that that's scary that's uh, that's frightful and then of course like you said with the religion piece um, I, I never want to offend anybody, but it, it's definitely confusing to me. Um, you know, I, I had a conversation with a friend of mine. And I said, you know, um, as somebody who who does not subscribe whatsoever to the Christian uh, doctrine, um, you know, I said, you know, I hear Jesus loves me, and hey, as far as I'm concerned, that makes him a heck of a guy because um, I've never met him. But um, people, you know, they they say that it's all about love, love thy neighbor, love thy parents. Um, well. What if your parents or neighbor or whoever identifies differently than you, and shouldn't you love them? And so there is that dichotomy, and again, it's interpretation. But um, I just thought it was a very interesting. Um, it was a very interesting article and a very interesting um, dilemma. Right, right. Especially one that feels a bit unnecessary. That that's the part that gets to me is you know is that unnecessary unnecessary piece. And then it also goes back to the the support piece, and we're talking about the you know victim blaming piece. That is, you know, she wouldn't have cut her hair. This wouldn't be a problem right now. Um, and so it's there we go again. Once again, let's say let's say the student does grow up and decide to come out. Then we have that issue of okay, now she has to balance out. You know, being a member of the LGBTQIA community, being a member of you know the, her religious faith, having to balance those two issues out, those two identities, and find support in both communities. Um, and then that, that's, that's an actual thing that needs to be dealt with, not my hair is short today, um, so I need to figure out if I can go to school or not. You know, so. Yeah, absolutely. And then one other question I guess I wanted to pose is, you know, there's this whole question of ambiguity and, and so on, but this person said straight up, uh, I mean, we're talking about an eight-year-old girl who said, I'm a girl, I feel like a girl, um, I want to be a girl, this is just what I like. At what point is it ambiguity, and at what point is it ignorance? <laughs> There's a lot of ignorance, um, especially when somebody's saying, like, and I mean, she's eight. Like, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and jump to the conclusion and say an eight-year-old, I'm still learning who I was. There were a couple identities I was setting, like I knew that I was a man at eight, like or at least I identified as male at eight, like things like that. But it's you know it's it's you know at that point it's just ignorance and, and choosing to say, well you're not female enough or you're not you're not woman enough, you know you this is what you need to do in order to 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 be more of a woman. And so then we that's when we get into eating disorders because now. You know, it, it starts with hair, but then it's you're not skinny enough, and, and you're not wearing enough makeup, and your hair is not done enough. Or for the dudes, I you know I work at Cal Poly right now, and one of the big issues we're actually dealing with is eating disorders, um, because we have such a, a, a campus that's based on fitness. You know, stuff the students talk about a lot. When I go through and do apartment checks for my residents, especially the guys, you'll see more protein powders and things like that. And the guys constantly trying to lose weight and trying to get in shape because they're trying to fit into this. This you know this is set stereotype of what it means to be manly, and you see the women fit, trying to fit into that. This is what it means to be a woman. It means I'm skinny. It means that I have long hair. It means that I have my nails done. Uh, it means that I wear a lot of makeup. And so it's it's troublesome in that sense because we're now we're now not saying it's not even good enough to just say you know it's not even good enough to identify as. You have to prove it, and and in order to prove it, you have to fit into this box. Uh, based on you know what the world expects from you, based on a standard set by society, based on what our religion says you need to believe, and what what our religion says a woman is, uh, which is which is problematic because you know if you're not even allowed the freedom to think, just to have or be able to critically think and say, well, I, I kind of feel like having short hair is a good idea. 
you know, what, what else, you know, what else are they, you know, they brainwashing this girl to think, you know? Yeah, I have nothing to add. <laughs> I, I mean, I think, you know, I want to, I want to say that it's ignorance. Um, you know, I, I just, you know, at eight years old. I mean, there, there are cases of 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 children who claim from you know early ages of five or six that they don't feel like the right gender, and uh, you know, this girl is is so adamant about it. I mean. It, you know, you could look at it. Is it a case where she's lying to stay where she has all of her friends? And I think a lot of people would look at it like that just because she's a child. Um, or is she actually um, a female who wants to be a female? She's a woman who has, you know, the quote-unquote right parts to be a woman. Um, you know, and um, I, I, I think you nailed it right on the head. I mean, it's at what point are you just being? Are you doing this for your own comfort? You know, it's not quite what I think is a woman, so let me tell you what you have to do to stay in my good graces or, you know, stay here where I want to be, where I want you to be. Right. It's just, it, and it's, it, it's still so bothersome because it's just, you know, as a kid, I remember feeling really powerless as a kid and then being able to decide, you know, not even being able to decide, you know, make one decision for myself. You know, I couldn't decide what I wore to school because, you know, you know, if you go to school in a uniform, you know, you don't even get to decide that, you know. So I remember any any little decision I got to make as a kid was, was huge for me. Um, and so, like, once again, me, me and this, this, you know, this girl don't have similar experiences, but at the same time, it, it sucks that this kid at eight who, you know, it's one of the few things she can't control about her body is, you know, what how long her hair is and then even that choice is being taken from her. So that that... Personally, that, that doesn't sit well with me. So. Yeah, my mom made me hammer pants in the fourth grade and made me wear them every day. So, um, you know, I agree with the choices thing. Right. All right, what's up next? Uh, this is you. Uh, this is the Nick Cannon. Oh, okay, so, yeah, really interesting topic. So anytime you know, blackface pops up in the news, you know, um, immediately, the immediate reaction is, you know, people of color, well, most people of color, um, speak out, and, you know, we, we feel like letting the world know that that's racist, but Nick Cannon, the uh, comedian slash tried to be a rapper slash, you know, he's, he's apparently releasing a new album, which is offensive enough on its own, and then he, um, he goes, he posts a picture on Facebook or on the web with him painted his face, so he lightened his skin, so, so white face in a sense, um, and he, I think he put on a wig with blonde hair, and he dressed in stereotypically white fashion. And he posted a picture saying, hey, "Look, guys, I'm white," and you know he had thumbs up and everything. Um, and so a lot of a lot of news, you know, news sites reported that you know Nick Cannon's being racist, and you know this is an offensive picture of Nick Cannon dressing like a white person and putting on a white face. And there was that comparison, you know, that it, and a lot of what I saw was that double standard piece that. You know, it's not okay to it's not okay for white people to do it, but it's okay for black people to do it, and is this offensive? Uh, and so, I just sort of wanted to pose that to you, being a white person. <laughs> um, I'm gonna ask you for all white people, right? <laughs> but you know, it's one of those things that, as as a person who identifies as white, sort of, um, what, what what's your take on that? You know, you know, one Nick Cannon dressing up as a white person, but two the white face piece and sort of. Uh, where, where you're at with that? Sure. Um, do we want to show the video from? I think it's Huffington Post first, and show. Oh, yeah, yeah, the video. Yeah, pull that up. Um, you know, the beauty of Google Hangouts is we get a chance to share screens and so on. So, um, I'm gonna go ahead and do that so you all can see that it's about a minute and 37 seconds, I believe, uh, and then I'll gladly answer uh, your questions. So, let me go ahead and take a look at this. And so here we go. Nick Cannon has been busy promoting his new album, White People Party Music, which is set to be released April 1st. However, his latest promotion stunt may be taking his album a little too seriously. The rapper took to Instagram yesterday to share photos and video of himself in white face makeup, complete with blonde hair, a new wardrobe, and a skater boy accent. Cannon captioned one photo with a series of hashtags, some that joke about stereotypically white interests, including good credit, dog kissing, beer pong, farmer's markets, fist pumping, and cream cheese eating. I love cream cheese eating. As you might imagine, Cannon's Caucasian persona, 
who he named Connor Smallnut, has been met with some backlash. While the majority of commenters and critics have labeled Cannon's actions as offensive, Cannon took to Twitter to defend himself, tweeting, quote, It's funny how people take themselves so seriously. People love drama. We feed off of it. Just relax and have fun. Cannon went on to tweet, quote, I love this conversation, though. It's showing a lot of people's true colors. Hashtag pun intended. It certainly is. So what do you think of Cannon's uh, antics? Let us know in our comments section. We'd love to hear your thoughts. It's almost impossible to get them to sit down to dinner. That's why we have... We, we could probably just do a blog on the KFC commercial that showed up afterwards. We, we really <laughs> could. Uh, we talked about this a little bit before. So um, it actually kind of came right back to the question. So, um, you know, we, we've been talking about this, or we talked about this, what, almost a week ago. Um, and I'm still I, – I, I have a lot of emotions and, and thoughts about it. And uh, – it's interesting because, I mean, I see the double standard part of, you know, if I were to wear blackface, I would be just publicly ridiculed, and, and deservedly so. There's a there's a history there of, of using blackface in cinema um, to both discredit and to uh, keep um, black people out of, out of film. Um, and, and I also look at my own personal preference of of film and media, and, and I think it's hilarious when Dave Chappelle does it in his shows. Um, and so I, I think about it in that double standard as well. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't offend me. Um, I, I can say that. Um, but I don't know why it, it, it should. I mean, boy, this is, this is a tough one because, um, again, it's a, it's a double standard that, that sits there. Um, but I think he's kind of taking something that, um, in the reverse, would be completely horrendous and, and trying to flip it onto people. And I, I don't know whether he's doing that intentionally or not, or um, if he if he's just I, I think he's just trying to get attention. But I think he he could be doing some good here by bringing that that topic to the forefront. I mean, obviously, um, outlets such as the Huffington Post, which thank you for uh, the video, um, so that we cite that properly. Um, I, I don't know if we're supposed to APA that or what. Post comma 2014 uh, parentheses. Um, but it, it's interesting. It's definitely a great attention-getting scheme. But he's not the first to do it. Like I said, Dave Chappelle um, definitely did it um, years ago. So yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. I think. Let me. Because I do want to address that difference between Chappelle and Nick Cannon. I think there's, there's definitely some differences there. Sure, sure. But for me, when I was watching the video, I was stuck to it first because, I mean, it, it, when we talk about double standards, and, and in this case, we're talking about reverse racism, which we know isn't a thing. Um, I mean, feel free to chat me or email me if you want to talk about why reverse racism doesn't actually exist. But this is definitely a case of sort of flipping it on its head. But I think we have to think about the difference between what's offensive, what's discrimination, and then what's racist. Um, because I think that's where a lot of people are getting confused. Because people think the terms are often interchangeable, and they're really not. Because when we talk about something being offensive, it just means that, you know, something somebody said is upsetting. You know, it, it clearly doesn't sit right with somebody. It's meant to offend or to, or to make somebody upset or to be, um, to, to be hurtful. Um, but then when we move into discrimination, then we're talking about getting, you know, choosing to pick on somebody or make fun of somebody or to, to actively keep somebody away based on their, their based on an identity that they have. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where if I choose if I come up and I punch you in the face, Greg, and I say punch you in the face because you're white, like that's the, that's the, in one way of me discriminating towards you or choosing to say I don't like you because of an identity that you hold that's different from mine. You know, there's a discrimination piece. But then when we talk about the isms and, and sort of you know racism, sexism, classism, sort of the those that are focused specifically around identities, racism isn't just oh I don't like you because you're different from me. This is when structures of power and privilege come into play. You know, it's one of those things, you know, we had a friend in class um, who asked, he was like, 
she was confused because she didn't know. She thought, you know, racism was just that. You know, if certain people don't like each other, then you know that's that's one thing. But it comes down to power and privilege. You know, in America, when we talk about racism in America, you know, it's always attributed to white people because white people are the ones with power. We're the ones who have control. You know, if, if all the black people in America was to say, you know, we're going to keep white people out of our neighborhoods, we're not going to give them any jobs, we're not going to offer them any opportunities, we're going to keep them away from our schools. That's not doing a whole lot. In fact, I, I, I would be willing to bet that not a whole lot would change on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, uh, the, you know, if you look at Google Maps, you look at census data, most people of color are located in, you know, inner-city, lower-income neighborhoods. Um, we, we don't tend to own a lot of businesses. You know, we talk about, you know, who's in the upper echelon at 1%. I think it's Oprah and then, you know, somebody way down the line. Um, but there's not there's not a whole lot of power that we have on the, looking at the the grand scale of things. But when you look at if if you know we look at historically when white people have said no we're not going to provide opportunities to people of color they've been able to keep us out of college and keep us uneducated they've been able to to hold this to hold us down and say no this isn't um, we're not going to allow you these opportunities to the point where things like affirmative action. And, and, you know, the opportunities and scholarships that are to have to be created in order for people of color to have a chance. Uh, so when we talk about this thing being, you know, Nick Cannon dressing in white face, uh, is that racist? Absolutely not, because we're talking about a privilege and oppression thing. Now, you know, now so speaking strictly in the U.S., because if you go over to China, and if you're a white person, I would assume from stories that I've heard and talking to friends and things like that, if you're a person who's not Chinese in China, like, Chances are you're going to deal with some racism just because of the power structure there. Uh, people who are Chinese have power in China, and that's sort of the way that the structure is set up. But in U.S. culture, that that belongs to white people. Um, so this, this this thing definitely isn't racist because it's not. It, there's no there's not that structural piece tied to it. Um, discrimination piece. I think you can make that argument that it that it is discriminatory discriminatory towards white people. But I wouldn't even go that far because it's one of those things that you know at the end of the day. I think that white people are mainly offended because of the, the, the fact that they can't do blackface. <laughs> like, I think that's the right the reason that, you know, that a lot of white people in the Huffington Post and uh, are speaking out because it's, it's one of those things, well, it's not fair. If we can't do it, why can they? Yeah. So I think it's not that, you know, that people are like, hold up, that's offensive. The, the, the Washington Redskins, their mascot, their entire name, that's offensive. You know what I mean? Or that, that's discrimination because obviously we're taking uh, a whole culture and we're boiling down to the stereotype and we're putting them on football helmets and, you know, now now they're, you know, basically a mascot. They've boiled down from the entire culture with, you know, thoughts and ideas and, you know, all these ways to now being a mascot for a football team. Um, so is it offensive? Yes, I, I think it is definitely offensive and I think it was – Marketing-wise, I can see why he did it, but I think it was a poor move on his part. Um, but I think it's definitely it's definitely offensive. But I don't think that I would call, go as far as to call it discriminatory or, or racist. Um, so that's my <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, personally, and and like you said, I don't speak for all white people. Um, if I did, the the world would look a lot different. But um, I mean, like I said, I'm not I'm not offended by it. I think um, I recognize the publicity stunt when I see one, um, and, and absolutely the racism thing. I, I remember you and I had a conversation, and I've since had this with a lot of my students. You know, there's a big difference between racism and discrimination, and and the fact where um, you being black, if I have a position of power, which I don't, I can help you get into a residence hall somewhere in Southern Maine, basically. But um, if I did, then I, you know, there are parts of the, the system that I can use to keep myself in a good place and to keep you out of my place. Uh, not a physical place, but like out of my position or something along those lines. Um, whereas discrimination, discrimination can be based on hate, it can be based on um, dislike, it can be based on a, a number of various things. And again, it doesn't have to do with uh, with any form of, of power per se. Um, a black person can discriminate against a black person. A white person can discriminate against a white person. Um, absolutely, it's not very arbitrary. Or, yeah, it's not very selective discrimination. But uh, being offensive, yeah, I mean, I think more people are offended by, or I, I would I would argue that more white people are offended by the fact that they can't retaliate 
because they see it as a jab, and I and I think you're right. I think it is a bit of a jab, um, you know. And I, I think they're more if they're offended, that's what it is. There's no way for them to retaliate to take to save face. Right. Ah, uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, it's those things, and then going back to. You know, it's one of those things that it, it's interesting when things like this happen just because, you know, we talked about Chappelle earlier. You know, his first skit, um, the, the show, uh, opening the show, he did the, the, the black KKK member. And, and in that, he did, he did, you know, he did that piece. And so it was one of those things that, like, then it was sort of an interesting dichotomy. But then he did the whole part with the news anchor where he, he dressed up in white face and put on a wig and, and you know, decided to... Um, you know, acting in the use of white mannerisms or acting in a very stereotypically white fashion. Um, and, and it was funny. Like, uh, you know, I laughed, apparently. He had number one rated shows, so apparently a bunch of people laughed. Um, and so it's one of those things that I think there's the difference, though, too, is that, you know, Chappelle was was a comedian and wasn't, you know, and, and so I think it was kind of taken that he was doing something as a joke and sort of when you come out swinging it with the black KKK member and things like that and sort of the language that he used on the show and all of that, um, I think that there's that, that the, the difference between the two. Um, what else was I trying to get at? But, I mean, at the end of the day, oh, but at the end of the day, Chappelle ended up walking away from his contract, and the reason for it was because he felt like people were, weren't understanding that they were jokes and, in fact, were taking him seriously in terms of the stereotype that he presented about, you know, not just not just white people, but black people and sort of the jokes that he would make and things like that. He was realizing that he actually wasn't doing any good or he wasn't starting a conversation. In fact, he was just providing humor um, and that, that made black people look bad. And so he ended up walking away from, you know, a $50 million contract because he came to that realization that what he was doing was, in fact, did more damage than, than good. Um, so it's, it's one thing that I think that's an interesting piece, too, that, you know, here, here we're comparing two people who have both done whiteface, but one walked away from $50 million contract because he was like, you know, I, I don't feel good about this. This isn't, people aren't laughing for the right reasons. Yeah. Um, whereas you have Nick Cannon who's, you know, at the end of the day just looking to make a quick buck. And, you know, if I create some sort of media buzz, people will buy my album. Don't buy Nick Cannon's album. Please don't. It's just poor music at the end of the day, but yeah, that that's a different different context. Oh, Nick Cannon. <laughs> but no, I, I think you agree. I think I agree with you. Uh, you know, and and Chappelle did a lot of things in a satirical way. You know, much like South Park, and and that's another another thing that we can talk about. Granted, they don't do whiteface because they're cartoons, but. Um, you know, I'm actually trying to think of if they breached the topic ever. But, you know, Dave Chappelle, he, he did um, a lot of things in a, in a very satirical way. You watched it, like you said, knowing it was a comedy. Whereas if you look at some of the things that um, Nick Cannon said, even if in just his hashtags, um, I still, I'm white, I've been white for 32 years, and I don't understand the cream cheese eating part. So if somebody wants to message in and, and let me know what that's all about because I don't get it. But um, it was, it, it, there were jabs, some of them subtle, some of them not so subtle. Um, and so I think that there was like that part where I'm trying to be offensive, I'm trying to get on, on the front page. So, yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah, I think, yeah, definitely that lack of humor behind it. Because, I mean, out of context, at least, you know, without context, Nick Cannon doesn't seem like, you know, he's trying to be funny. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's that, you know, Chappelle was funny, Nick Cannon was not funny, and, you know, whether or not this is a joke, I think it was, it was poorly done. So, I mean, I'm I'm going to jump on board as saying it's offensive just because it's one of those things where, like, it, it's one of those things, it, it's in bad taste. There's no, there's no context from it. There's nothing to be learned from it, um, and there's nothing to really be gained from it outside of just pissing a bunch of people off just to piss people off. So, um, yeah, you're, you're not offended, but I, I definitely think it was it was a move in poor taste. I yeah. I, I would say that I, I definitely think that it it was intended to be offensive. I'm just not easily offended. No, sure. <laughs> what, can you, what can you say? I mean, I definitely I, I agree with you. I can definitely see where he intended to. Um, right. Like I said, it's a publicity stunt, and I think... Um, the reason why I'm not offended is because I know I'm supposed to be. Right, right, right. 
So, um, all right. Well, that that wraps up that topic. I think. Uh, any last thoughts on that? No. Um, yeah, it's one of those things. Don't buy his album. Uh, not because of the whiteface thing, but Nick Cannon, I, I don't think, is a very good artist, which is way off topic. So. Yeah, and he hasn't really done a good movie since Drumline or Love Don't Cost a Thing. Drumline, yes, Love Don't Cost a Thing, that's debatable. Moving on. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So um, do you have another any other topics you want to bring up tonight? Uh, I, I don't off the top of my head. Yeah, I don't either. Um... I will say this though that, and, I, and I'll post this on the open uh, Facebook page, and I will put it in the identity, the gender identity um, page that we have on open, and it's an interesting list, and I, I didn't really have a chance to to research it too much because I just found it this afternoon, um, but it was for. It was along the lines of 15 things to do um, in honor of those who identify as transgender. Um, and, and many of them are very thought-provoking and, and things that I never really thought of. And so I, I found it to be kind of, um, like I said, thought-provoking. And it was something that um, really, uh, aside from thought-provoking, I don't know, it, it, it put into a lot of question things that I've previously known and I, I'm friends with a lot of people who identify as transgender both male to female, female to male and um, you know for instance one of the things that it says is to stop splitting um, sex and gender uh, and, and that baffled me because part of the reason why we do that is to help um, people who identify as transgender kind of like help, help explain that to people who don't understand it um, but it it explains how by doing so, yes, you're making it easier for the dominant cultures to understand it, but you're also putting them in a box. And so I never thought of that because I was always trying to help people understand it um, and, and start to kind of build those critical thinking blocks. So um, it's definitely something I'll post, but I don't know if there's anything you wanted to uh, add about that particular point or if there's, uh, if you saw it. I happened to post it on Facebook earlier today. Um, I, I, you know, I saw it, and, and, you know, bad move on Steve, didn't click on the link. Um, I'm too busy watching videos of cats. <laughs> it's one of those things where, like, I, I'm, I'm thinking back to my first, the first transgender friend I had ever made. It, um, it was an interesting experience for me because, you know, I, I never, I, I hadn't grown up around that, or at least I wasn't. If, if somebody around me was transgender, I, I had no idea, or I, I didn't pay attention to it, or I didn't, I didn't at least take the time to notice. Um, so it was an interesting experience for me, and I remember, you know, first of all, just just get, you know, for, as, as an and this is a tip for allies in general. Like allies tend to get on my nerves because typically what they do is they come in and they they say they're an ally, and all they do is they go on about how much of an ally they are and how much they are for the community and they talk and they talk and you know they don't listen and and so it always it always bothered you know it's almost things like so something I guess I would say is that you know especially with today's transgender awareness day um, yesterday yeah. yesterday was okay um, but it's one of those things if you're gonna be an ally to that community specifically or any community you know just listen and uh, as people with dominant identities we get the chance to talk all the time you know we're we're, we're we're heard, especially both of us being men who identify as men. Like we get the chance to speak all the time. We're represented in research and on TV, and and we get to be taken very seriously. And anytime we talk, it carries weight. Um, and so, especially and, and being cisgendered, like the same thing. And so, being an ally to that community, shut up, like listen. You know, we get to spend enough time talking. So it's one of those things that that that's my biggest thing, especially with that community. So with, with my friend, you know, I just took the time to listen to his story. And, you know, I, I didn't feel the need to speak for him. You know, it's one of those things where it was just like, um, you know, he knows what his story is. I'm here to support him and listen and give him high fives. Like, I let him know that he's doing all right. But, you know, at the end of the day, it was just it was just about me being there to support him without stepping on his toe or without needing to prove how much of an ally that I am. You know, that, that's the part that gets, bothers me about allies. I think the other piece, too, is oh, – where was that going? Um, I think when you were talking about – Breaking it down and explaining it to people with dominant identities, that's your job. <laughs> As somebody with a dominant identity, it's, it's you know, we, and we talked about this in class, and, and many times I've seen it where, you know, people with subordinate identities 
have to explain themselves and have to teach those dominant identities. And so I think for us as people with those dominant identities, it's, it's for us to, to go out there and educate you know, others with dominant identities. And you know, we don't have to put it in boxes or you know, dumb it down so that they understand it. But I think that's our job. That's part of our responsibility is to get out there and to, to help you know, our people understand what's going on with, the, with that particular group without that group always having to either out themselves or explain a bunch and take the time to slow down their own progress in order to help others catch up. Um, so I, I mean, it's one of those things like, I think that I think that's part of our job. So. Still on mute. <laughs> I know. I was trying to get back to it. Um, so as you can see, we're not necessarily professionals at this whole video podcasting thing. Um, another thing that came up, I, I was just kind of reading, trying to trying to add some breath to this. Um, Completely agree about the ally uh, piece. Um, the listening part specifically, I mean, um, in the end, no matter how we break it down as to how to explain to people uh, what transgender means, um, the why is much more important. And the only people who can give us the why are the people who identify that way. Um, and I'm never going to be able to sit there and say, you're transgender because you think you're this when your body tells you you're this, but they can tell me how since they were a child they've always felt this way and so on. So absolutely great point. Um, and then it is our job as people with dominant identities to try to open minds. Um, you know, there is a pun intended there. That's part of the reason why we named our organization Open. Um, but it is our job to open minds, and if that means breaking it down to the like to the atoms of what an identity is. Um, I do agree. Um, I just thought it was a very interesting point um, because it can, to some extent, belittle um, that you know that identity. But I think understanding that is where that continue, like break it down, but then build it back up so that people stop thinking about it that way and start understanding who the people are. Right. Um, and then one, the the only other one that I'm going to go ahead and, and and talk about real quick. Um, was number 10 on the list, and that is stop saying LGBT when you mean gay. <laughs> okay. Right? Okay. Oh, that, that makes sense. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is I, I, I definitely do that sometimes. Um, I think most people do. But let's not forget that T stands for transgender, which is not a sexual orientation at all. Um, if you mean gay, you shouldn't even say B or L. Right. Some but, lesbians don't identify as gay. Right. I've, I've definitely made that mistake before. But, I mean, it's, it's so easy. We do this all the time where it's so easy and convenient to just, you know, group everybody together and put them all in one. Well, these, these, this, this is the group that's not straight. There's, there's straight, and then there's lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, questioning, ally. This is, like, and then straight, not straight. And then we get not straight, this fancy letter combination that's just really difficult to master. And then, um, you know, we, we put that in a group and we say, okay, well, you're good. And then oftentimes when we see LGBT, you know, LGBTQIA support rallies, you know, then we tend to group women into those groups. And then when you see a lot of women support groups, um, every time that I've been to one, it's always like there's the gay guy that shows up or there's like, uh, you know, a, a group of gay men that show up because oftentimes we group those people together. So it's one of those things that it's interesting that even within the, you know, the people who are in the social justice you know, we still have a lot to learn in terms of, you know, not grouping these people together and not saying, well, you all belong in that group. And, and the, you know, there's the LGBTQIA club on campus, even though every group has its own set of issues and, you know, their own discrimination even within that group to deal with. Like, it's, it's a good point. Number 10 is deep. I like it. <laughs> right. I, I really uh, appreciated it as well. Um, you know, I... One of the things that I try to do, um, and this does not make me a better person, a great thing or anything, um, but it's just a point that, you know, if you take, you take. If you don't, you don't. Um, whenever I say LGBT, I always say communities instead of community um, because, you know, like Steve said, like number 10, as we're calling it right now because it is, um, says, you know, there are people who identify as lesbians. There are people who identify as gay. Sometimes people who identify as lesbians identify as gay. Sometimes people who identify as gay, I also identify as queer. 
Um, but like I said before, transgender is its own kind of subsection there where it's not a sexual orientation, even though it gets lumped into one, uh, into a group of, um, you know, sexual orientations primarily. And so understanding that L is its own, G is its own, B is its own, T, Q, I, A, and then there's others that are another Q, another I, another A. I mean, there's a, there's a ton of different... Um, letters, but every person that falls under one of those letters doesn't necessarily fall under another. And so understanding that it's I, it's communities, not just a community. Right. So and you're, you're even getting into sort of the intersection between identities, because in understanding the lesbian community, you then have to understand women and sort of the pressures that come along with, with being members of both communities. And, you know, we talk about the queer community, that's, you know, you're, you're yeah, that that's a whole <laughs> you know whole other thing that I have not nearly enough knowledge on. So it's it's all those things, and then the transgender community. That's the ugh. so it's like uh, that's definitely an interesting point of you know just just learning to see them as communities and as you know each of the letters individually as opposed to one sort of overbearing you know privileged versus oppressed group. So absolutely and. It, it, it's interesting because there's even you know debate on how do you say the acronym. You hear GLBT, you hear LGBT, um, and for the longest time I, I I always said you know the GLBT communities. And then when we were in Denver actually, and I'm not sure if this is my first or my second year, somebody said why do you call it the GLBT? And I said I don't know, it's just what I've always called it. Um, and somebody said you know. G is often for gay men, and so you're putting men first once again, and so um, that's that stuck with me a little bit because you know I try to not exercise privilege. I do all the time, but I try not to, and so by throwing L at the beginning of that, you're showing that um, you know women come first, but men don't have to come first, and um, it's a very interesting point. There's, I mean, there's a ton there, um, and then another point I wanted to make is I had a student at the institution that I work at now. I used to work here for three years before I went to grad school. And they were going to write for us. They, they sort of did. And um, I'm hoping that if they're watching this, they will write because I'm a very huge proponent of same-sex marriage. Mm -hmm. uh, it's Anybody who knows me knows this. It's, it's something, you know, like I said at the beginning of our show tonight, um, I grew up in a, in a two-mother household and they were never able to get married, and uh, you know, and, and that was something that I, I always saw as a huge, um, you know, injustice. And so, um, but what he had said to me is, he said, you know, the Human Rights Commission, um, you know, the HRC, they have put all their effort into this, but meanwhile, their stance on transgender um, identifying people. Is so minimal, and so where where is it the human rights and so on and go on? So um, that's a whole other topic, and that that would take us another hour to even talk about, and we don't necessarily have the expertise there. But just thinking about the different needs of the LGBTQIA, like same-sex marriage is the hot topic, but transgender rights is just barely reaching the surface of of societal view. No, I, I completely agree with that. Definitely don't have. Um, this is why I admit that this is one of those identities that I don't know enough about. But I remember I went to a, a presentation by um, a doctor, you know, a professor at the University of Denver, and this professor was talking about, you know, being transgender and showed a video about sort of when, you know, uh, children are born transgender, that sort of the operations that take place to, to, you know, decide a gender for them and then how, you know, frankly barbaric some of these operations were. Um, and so, you know, you're right, it's, it's what, what topics are new and hot and sexy versus what, you know, what are real issues or what are, you know, things, matters that are actually pressing and, and what's, you know, what's, you know, ah, a serious piece versus, you know, what, what's fun to talk about, so. Absolutely. And that's, that's what our, our website and everything that we do is based on, we, we try to cover everything. Now, obviously, our podcasts are the, the more what's hot, what's sexy, what affects us, what we want to talk about. Um, but our website, we have pages for every identity. Well, every of the big eight identities, I should say. I shouldn't jump to that conclusion. Um, you know, we try to add new stuff to it all the time. Um, but we're trying to be as open to every identity and every part of that identity and all the intersections and so on. And that's a that's a tall task. And so, um, definitely, definitely a great point. Right. 
I agree completely. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's all I've got for tonight. This is definitely all I have. Um, so we definitely thank you all um, for for watching, um, whether it was live. I stopped looking at how many viewers, so um, that was a plus for me. Um, you know, thank you all for for watching, for for participating. However you do, whether it be comments, whether it be thinking about writing posts, um, however you want to participate, even if it's just you know knowing that we're here, we appreciate all of that. Great. Once again, I agree. <laughs> and that's why we work together. So thank you, everybody. And uh, again, we'll be back in two weeks to do this all over again with different topics. If you have anything that you would like to see us talk about or you would like to come on and, and talk about, please email one of us. Uh, I'm Greg at areyouopen.org. Steve at areyouopen.org. We make it real easy. So thanks a lot, and we'll see you all in two weeks. <laughs>